my name is Dana Shapiro from Champaign-on-Rio, and you are listening to Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. Champaign-on-Rio is excited to be the summer sponsor, and we are honored to be a part of this island community and this new program. We look forward to sharing our delicious champagnes with all of you on this beautiful island. Enjoy the show and cheers. Don't forget a glass of champagne makes everything better. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. This is Camille Broderick with Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. So for today's show, I'm so excited to have our first wine tasting with a fabulous woman wine director here on island. Her name is Tanya McDonough. She works at Ventuno and Straight Wharf. She oversees both lists. And we're going to have the opportunity to speak with her today. So welcome. Thank you, Camille. It's lovely to have you here. And today we are going to do a rosé tasting. We know that rosé is not only a trendy wine and seasonal wine, it's absolutely a delicious wine that everyone should know about and imbibe in once in a while. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. It's a great beach wine. It's a great um, patio wine. And But first of all, I definitely want to talk to Tanya about her background and her connection to Nantucket and how she got this fabulous job. <laughs> I did get lucky. Um, I went, let's see, when Scott Fraley and Gabriel Fresca took over Straight Wharf in 2006, they asked me to help them out with the wine program because I had previously worked with them at Radius Restaurant in Boston, um, but wasn't quite ready to make the transition. So in 2007, came down um, and started working for them at Straight Wharf. And then in 2011, when they opened Ventuno, um, I started doing both restaurants. And that must have been, is that an overwhelming duty for... Uh, At first, it was very overwhelming. Um, It was a lot to take on, two two staffs, two educations, two lists. Um, And now I've I've figured out how to organize my time and and have some more support. So it's been nice. So we had Craig Hanna on the show uh, a few weeks back, who is the wine director up at Toppers at the Well Mm -hmm. Win It, which is a a quite... Quite big list. We love Craig. Mm -hmm. Say hi to Craig out there. And which is a a big list. And we were trying to really get to the heart of what it takes to be a a wine director and what you actually do to create a list. So with the fact that you have Ventuno and Straight Wharf, Ventuno is obviously Italian driven and Mm -hmm. Straight Wharf is more American and more French. How did you design the list for the two different restaurants? Well, as far as the Italian list goes, I tried to have something from... um, you know, every different region and different price points, um, some things that people are a little more familiar with and then some obscure things that I'd like them to learn about. Um, and Straight Wharf, you know, it's just so heavy, Burgundy, Bordeaux, uh, very French, very American. I just try to have, a you know, the, the focus on those two regions and then have a, a smattering of other, you know, Germany, Spain, mm-hmm. um, Greece, um, just to sort of even it out and give everyone, you know, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. But yes. that's something that goes well with the cuisine, too, and then what exactly. the client demands, mm-hmm. depending exactly. on um, Straight Wharf, as you all may or may not know, is right when you get off the High Line. It's a beautiful restaurant right there near the gazebo. Mm-hmm. And Ventuno is on, it's Federal? Yes, uh, Federal Street, Federal 21 Street. Federal Street. Yeah, which was the old 21 Federal restaurant, mm-hmm. and um, now you're in your fifth season. Fifth season, yes. And working with Scott Fraley, one of our, our a former colleague of mine as well. Say hi to Scott and Gabriel. <laughs> So you made your way back to the island, but you had been working mostly in Boston, and um, you had your training there too. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I started working in Boston um, after taking some wine classes at Boston University, and just sort of every year bounced around to a different place, tried a hotel for a bit, mm-hmm. the Boston Arbor Hotel, and um, worked on the Grill Twenty Three, mm-hmm. and then decided to give the island a try. 
and there's no turning back? Are you are you I addicted? Think so. Like, <laughs> I think I, now in I, Nantucket's in my blood. So I I, I spent my second winter here, um, which I didn't think I would do. So uh-huh. I love it. And you made it through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have three rosés here. So um, I think what we should first do is talk about the seasonality of rosé. It's not just for spring and summer. It's it's a full blown category, but I think it's most refreshing at this time of year, and it's something. I was thinking about it the other day. It's kind of like eggnog. <laughs> eggnog is such a great drink. <laughs> and it should be year round, but it's but it's, it's not. Very seasonal. It yeah. is it is if you want it. You can make it or have it your but it is seasonal in its own way. And I think of rose as it's so delicious and maybe people should be drinking it year round, which you can, but mm-hmm. um it's really more popular obviously in the warmer in the right. warmer season. But rose is not typically sweet its history is a dry wine it can be made with almost any grape you can yes and the color as we've also been discussing we wanted to talk about exactly how the color is extracted and what makes a rosé rosé mm-hmm. would you like to take that <laughs> sure. like take that question there's a few different ways that you can do it there's the maceration method which is where you leave the juice on its skins for an extended amount of time however dark you want the color from hours to maybe a couple days. Um, the other way is the Saunier method, which is bleeding off. So you're, if a winery is making a red wine, they take about 10% of that already pressed juice and already juice that's already been sitting on the skins, and then they, they separate that and ferment it on its mm-hmm. own. And then another way, which is usually a more of a, a bulk wine way, is to ferment the wine, ferment the red and the white wine separately, and then blend them together mm-hmm. to make the rosé the color of your choice. And depending on the style of the style the winemaker wants to make, mm-hmm. it's usually their call. Right. I mean, as far as leaving it on its skins, gives it more color or less color and even a little bit more tannin or more structure if they want to leave it longer. Right. And a more fuller body, just like whites and reds, there's mm-hmm. variation of acidity and dryness and body to rosés like there is to whites and reds, depending on, again, how it's made. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, rosé can be made with any grape varietal, really. But I guess history and practice and technique dominate those decisions. What we have here is we have a French, an American, and an Italian rosé. So with tradition, the French, most people know of Provence or Provençal rosés, mm-hmm. which are a blend of grapes, typically. Cinso, Grenache, mm-hmm. Syrah. Yeah, Mauvaudre, which are most of the grape varietals that you see in Chateauneuf-de-Pop or other mm-hmm. more southern French red wines. But this particular rosé, Tanya brought in, and I'm really excited. I have not tried this. It's from the Loire, mm-hmm. and you can talk more about it. Sure, it's for the Domaine de Noblay. Um, it's from the Chinon region of the, of the Loire Valley, and it's 100% Cabernet Franc. Which is a beautiful grape. It is a beautiful Kind of grape. underrated, mm-hmm. forgotten about a lot. I don't think a lot of Cabernet Francs are, are drunk regularly as reds. And then so I think it's even that much more rare as a rosé. Right. Mm-hmm. I think we should start with that one, don't Okay. Yeah. Let's get it open. This one it's... is a screw cap. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Easy. And I think we all have crossed that line of accepting screw caps with the quality of the juice in the bottle. The cork, is it still in- endangered? Um, it's a pretty rapidly producing, like they, it reproduces pretty quickly. Um, I think that a lot of wineries are just choosing to switch if they want you to drink a fresher wine. There's, there's less um, chance of it being corked or right. um, tainted. Yeah, and it's really good for saving. So, and on these hot days too, you know, you can just twist the cap back yeah. on and put it back in the cooler. <laughs> back on, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so this property is pretty interesting. It's a super old medieval times. This is, the story goes that Joan of Arc went and um, asked Charles VII for permission to lead his troops and 
I think it was the Hundred Day War or something. Oh wow! <laughs> so there's some cool history there. It's a that's what makes wine so fascinating is its history. And if you are just tuning in, uh, we are with Tanya McDonough, the wine director from Straight Wharf Restaurant and Ventuno here on Nantucket. And we're doing a little rosé tasting. And we just popped, well, we didn't really pop open a bottle. We (laughs) unscrewed a cap of a Chinon Cabernet Franc rosé, which is rather rare. And we're uh, giving a quick smell. And what do you identify on the nose? I think you can, for me, I can smell a lot of like the minerals and kind of chalkiness of it from the soil. Yeah, I definitely... Also some, you know, nice, nice spice, tart fruit, mm-hmm. very clean. Mm-hmm. I do have, I do get a little bit of alcohol initially. Yeah. I think right when you open a, a wine, sometimes that strength of mm-hmm. the alcohol can come off first, but then it might blow off, right. which just makes me want to go back and smell it again and see what else I can find. <laughs> this one is thirteen percent. Oh, that's pretty. Mm. It's beautiful. I, I think that it's um has a lot of nice red fruit to it without being sweet. Yeah. What do you think people should be looking for when they're drinking a rosé? I think balance. You know, I think um, definitely red fruit, strawberry, raspberry, cherry, nice acidity, mm-hmm. you know, something that's sort of uh, clean on the finish, drier would, style. Would you say rosés almost kind of range in a larger scale considering uh, the category and the fact that people want it either light or dry and then they some might want a fuller bodied? So there really are a lot of different expressions within the rosé category. It's yeah, not, I think there's a, a large range of dry, sweet, light, yeah. dark. We're trying to break the misconceptions of mm-hmm. rosé. It's a big category. There's all different kinds from different places and mm-hmm. different grapes. So we're trying to let everyone expand their horizons and mm-hmm. not just get their X rosé all the time and to right. try other ones from other regions because you'd be surprised at how different they all are. Mm-hmm. And they're great food wines. Yes, you know, they are. They seem to go, I think champagne goes with almost everything. Mm-hmm. And the more I've learned is that rosé goes with almost everything, everything, too. You're barbecuing. I feel like it goes well with burgers. Shellfish. Uh, Niçoise salad, prosciutto. All those delicious things. It has a beautiful finish. It kind of pops in flavor right when you taste it. And mm-hmm. it just has this beautiful, mellow finish. Yes. Mm-hmm. Almost a little stony. And, mm-hmm. and it's a whole different fruit. expression of a Cabernet Franc. So a typical Cabernet Franc red grape um, mm. and red wine is more, it has some masculine notes to it, but it's still very feminine and soft mm-hmm. in nature, would you say? I think that's a great way to describe it. It has, um, yeah, it's a beautiful wine from the Loire. Mm-hmm. I, most of the wines out of the Loire, I feel, are really very expressive. Yeah. Maybe switch uh, to our next. Yeah, so the next one we have from Tuscany. It's the La Spinetta Rosé. Spinetta Rosé. So this is a Sangiovese. It's 50% Sangiovese, 50% Prunolo Gentile, which is another clone of Sangiovese. And definitely invest in a good opener. The rabbits are great. Those quick openers, those are those are fun. But a classic good opener is, is important. It is definitely important, especially table side in a restaurant. You don't really yeah. want to see the big rabbit come out. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this rosé is very... Um, very light in color. It is. It almost is even almost like a it's light orange. Like a, yeah, it is. Like very pale salmon. I believe they just leave this on the skins for one hour. Oh, wow. Um, it's it looks light. almost as if there's some effervescence in there. Sometimes that happens right when you open the bottle. Mm-hmm. 2014 was a, a very difficult vintage in Italy, mm-hmm. um, especially Tuscany. It rained a lot that summer. So for this particular vintage rosé, um, the Rivetti family who took over uh, Spinetta in 2011 
chose to use their really um, their great Sangiovese grapes that they usually put in their higher tier red wines. Mm-hmm. So they used those grapes for their rosé and did not make um, some of the red wines this vintage. Oh wow! So it's a particularly great rosé for them for this year, considering it was such a bad uh, harvest. Well, thanks for bringing this today. So what does this retail a bottle? I would say probably hard to guess what who charges what. I would say fourteen, fifteen dollars. Okay. And the first one was? First one, I would say a, a little harder to find probably, um, but I would say that would probably be around the same, $15, $16. So we're tasting the Sangiovese, 50% Sangiovese and 50% a, a clone of Sangiovese, mm-hmm. right? Yes. I smell more vegetal on the nose mm-hmm. than, than berries. This is actually our first wine tasting on the show. We did food and wine pairing with Reunar, but this is our first on-air wine tasting. So... For those of you who want to taste wine, you always look at the color. You kind of look at the, the wine, make sure it looks pleasing. There's nothing floating in there. And then second, you, you do want to give a nice a nice smell to make sure it does smell good and that it's fresh and that there's nothing wrong with it. Is it safe to drink and oh, right. consume? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Am I going to want to spit this out? <laughs> That's your first start. And then you go deeper and really smell the wine. And when people swirl, and it's really because you're hitting the molecules together and getting oxygen into mm-hmm. the wine just so it opens up because it is a living, breathing thing. Right. What an interesting, even meatiness. It's right? a little herbaceous. Yeah. Hmm. When's the last time you've had this wine? Last night. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It has a viscosity. It does. It has like a, a little, little bit more. oily mm-hmm. kind of. It kind of coats your mouth a bit more. It does coat your mouth a little bit more. Wow. This makes it's a you want to warmer here, mm-hmm. um, at least climate-wise from the Loire. So that would help, you know, the grapes, although I don't know how in this vintage, how ripe they got, but it um, definitely a little warmer climate here. Yeah, there's a there's a pretty little background sweetness. All these are dry, but there is, uh, there's a lot going on, actually. If you stop some and think. Yeah, yeah, sweet wild strawberry. Even now, some- is something calling you? I mean, I feel like we want to eat something with this for sure. Yes, I think so too. It's a little bit more uh, not serious because it's still a light, dry, mm-hmm. crisp wine. But there's a little bit more uh, body to it. I think something something salty. Like, yeah, or, and I'm thinking some real Italian food, some prosciutto, just a piece yeah. of Parma mm-hmm. that I saw mm-hmm. in my fridge earlier today. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> <laughs> that would really be delicious good. with this. So if you're just tuning in, we are doing a wine tasting here on Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And I'm with Tanya McDonough, the wine director from Straight Wharf and Ventuno. And we're tasting three rosés today and trying to break some misconceptions about how rosé is made and the different grape varietals that can actually be made from. And we started with a beautiful Cabernet Franc from the Loire. And then we just are tasting an Italian rosé. And we're going to taste a, an American rosé made by an American whose sister actually works at Epernay at the retail shop that I actually bought this at, which is owned by Jenny Benzie, who was one of our guests on the program earlier this season. And I'll pop this one open. So this is the Clambake uh, rosé. It's 100% Syrah. It's from the Green Valley in California, which is a very small um, designated area in the Russian River Valley in Sonoma. So very, um, a nice Nantucket wine, I think, just with the clam bake and the lobster on the label. 
<laughs> it is a fun label. We really wanted to get some different expressions of rosé, so I thought it'd be fun to try an American one. You don't see them as often, or you didn't see them as often, but I think now with the popularity of rosés, we're, we're seeing more, and it's fun to see the the way that we're trying to express it here mm-hmm. in the U.S. We're trying to break those um, all those old you know misconceptions about white Zinfandel, although definitely what some people love, but this is not quite as sweet. We can make dry style wines here as well yes, in California. So the color on this is almost rusty kind of copper mm. peach. It's really, really beautiful. It is very pretty. And the nose on this, what do you what do you smell, Tanya? Definitely got a lot more ripe fruit. Yeah. Hmm. It actually smells like a red wine. I think in a blind tasting, I may be fooled. It even smells, has a nose like a rosé champagne. It does. There are only 350 cases made of this wine, and uh, it's all hand-picked. They've only done one vintage of this. And mo- most rosés you do want to drink relatively young. They're meant to be consumed young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of ripe fruit, ripe raspberry. Yeah. yeah, it's really a pretty nose. And on this bottle, it actually says, real men aren't afraid to drink pink. <laughs> <laughs> or wear pink or pants. Or wear pink, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love this nose. I want to keep smelling it. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really interesting. I know you want to keep going back for more. This one has more tartness. Wow, I'm very yeah. surprised. It does have some tart. Yeah, it's a whole there. it's like a different wine than what it smells like. Huh. Right? It is, you know, in the Russian River Valley, it is a little cooler. You mm-hmm. know, all those, you know, breezes that go through and fog. Um, so it's not totally surprising that you get a little more of that acidity here, but it's definitely yeah, there is an earthiness to it. Syrah is a mm-hmm. beautiful grape that is well known across the world in Australia and most famously probably in the Rhone. Mm-hmm. And and to make a rosé, I think it, you're going to get some of those deeper expressions of of that grape. But this is a, this has this tartness. This is really interesting. It does have a lot of tartness in a good way. In a very good way. Wow, sort of has that a, lo- a little more body in the middle. Yep. No. Mid palette, but a nice clean finish. It's totally unique. It is. It is. I. I that's where I think the the rose the American rosés. I just don't think we have an, a defined style overall style. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you can get your hands on them to play around, grab a couple bottles. To be honest, I only think this one was like eleven or twelve dollars, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty good that's value, a great for, value for rosé. Yeah, and for just trying something new and mm-hmm. especially supporting people who are from Nantucket and local yeah so we're going to be ending the show shortly I just want to thank Tanya for coming in and um, any final notes on (laughs) rosé thanks Camille (laughs) I mean I think rosé is a very it's becoming much more popular I think there's so many there's a rosé for everybody yeah Uh, but but great um, grab a bottle go to the beach picnic yeah even for to start your dinner yeah, it's an aperitif. It goes well with, I think, a slew of different entrees mm-hmm. and food styles and cuisines mm-hmm. with the spice from more ethnic-like food and then more fresh things that you can get local here. But it's definitely a big category that people need to explore. It's not just classic right. French style per se, which many are very delicious, <laughs> but there are a lot of other ones you definitely should try and explore. Yeah, I think it's a, a fun activity to do. Just pick a few rosés from different regions and yeah. um, see how different they are. 
And you learn what you like when you're tasting different styles and not just for rosé, but just your palate in general. Mm-hmm. Learning about acidity and sweetness or tartness. It's right. a good category to identify those mm-hmm. for your own palate. Right. And not always based on the color exactly. Yeah. Um, but. So don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. Go out there and taste some fun rosés. Drink pink. <laughs> well, thanks again, Tanya. We welcome you back and maybe we can start doing more tastings. And you're an absolute expert and we really value your opinion here on our show. And please say hello to Scott Fraley and Gabriel over at Straight Wharf and Ventuno. And we'd love to have you back. I definitely will say hello. Thank you, Camille. My pleasure. Thank you. And again, thanks for joining us today. This was Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And we were just speaking with Tanya McDonough, who is a wine director at both Straight Wharf and Ventuno. And we had our first wine tasting here, Tasting Rosé, which is a very popular wine choice right now, but a particular favorite of mine and of Tanya's. And I think most importantly, we just wanted to share the variety of rosés there are out there, both in color and in varieties of the grape and of the regions where they are made. So hopefully you learned a little bit about some local rosés, some amazing rosés from different regions, both in France and Italy. But ultimately, go out there, taste, that's how you learn, and explore other regions because they are made everywhere and they are very fun and very fresh and can be very versatile with your food. So cheers and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And don't forget, when you are tasting wine, It takes time. Not everybody is a master taster, but those who do taste really think about what they're doing. When you see the wine, you have the wine, take your time. Look at the wine. Think about the wine. Smell the wine. Taste the wine. Smell it again. Taste it again. And it changes within the glass. So with all great things, it takes time. And when tasting wine, you need to give it that time. So enjoy it savor it, and then share it. Because talking about wine is part of the sharing. And sometimes talking about wine is challenging. Finding the right words to describe the sensations and the flavors that you're experiencing. But the more you talk about wine, the easier it becomes. A lot of great wine tasters and experts are able to express everything that they're feeling in within a wine. But again, the sharing and the talking, as it becomes easier, the dialogue of the wine becomes more natural, and then you're able to learn from others when they share their experiences, and then you have more of an understanding of what's happening. So it's a symposium of wine, and it can be a great experience if this is a passion of yours. So definitely, when you do taste wine, it's always fun to do it with someone else and to be able to, to share the experience. So, so thank you again for listening. And as always, drink responsibly, and that is about savoring and tasting. Cheers. No time for drink.